Hey everybody, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. This is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead a rewarding career that's aligned with it so you can make an impact in the decades of work ahead. Okay, this week's episode with Tori Mayhine is so, so meaningful to me, and you're about to hear why. She's the host of the For Eternity and Until podcast, as well as the creator of the Work From Worth course, a course I've taken and can vouch for how beautifully and maybe more importantly, practically and tangibly, she helps us reorient our relationship and identity with work so we could work from a place of worth instead of for it, which is something I really needed some practical help on. So by the way, while you're listening to this episode, you'll probably want to check out some of the incredible resources mentioned, including the Work From Worth course, which Tori so kindly gave you a coupon for $20 off. So go ahead and hit the link in the show notes now so you could just have that queued up in your browser to take advantage of after you listen. Just use the code CALLED to get $20 off your order as one of the Answer the Call listeners. In this conversation, you'll hear Tori so beautifully address some big topics like the key signs that show we're striving and working for a sense of worth instead of from it, and how we could have pride in our work without placing our identity in it. This has been kind of tough for me to figure out. And also how identifying your core values and your spiritual gifts can actually help you identify which line of work is aligned with who God created you to be, which I thought was pretty neat because usually we don't really know exactly what to do with our spiritual gifts and how that's supposed to apply to anything outside of church stuff. (laughs) And you'll also even hear Tori weigh in on a big question I've had about why it seems increasingly less popular to want to be a mother. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Now, without further ado, it's time for you to meet Tori. We're on. Tori, I am so excited that you're here. And for the listeners to get to know you. So let's just kick it off with the classic, where do you live? What do you do? (laughs) So much cool stuff to get into, but let's start simple. Yeah. Um, Well, here I am in my car, you know, so I don't (laughs) want to look like I'm totally homeless. But I, (laughs) part of the reason why I'm in my car is because of where I live. I live about an hour outside of Nashville just outside of the, you know, Wi-Fi land. So sometimes I have to come in for calls like this into um, cell coverage area. We love where we live. We have a little, you know, beautiful patch of um, Tennessee rolling hills Mm. and moved out here about two years ago. My husband is in the Christian music industry and I've been doing online entrepreneurial work for the last decade in health and wellness and in I had an Etsy store for a few years. I've done a lot of different, um, different things online, but uh, I'm a mama of two kids. My son, Micaiah is nine and my daughter, Amara is turning five in a couple of weeks, which is just such a trip. So fun. This season of motherhood is so great. It just keeps getting better. If you're a mom that's listening, that has like, you know, younger kids and you're balancing work and your passions, what God's called you to do and being a faithful mother at home, I will tell you, 
that um, being who God created you to be and keeping your heart soft and allowing your children into the process of be, of becoming in your own life um, without perfection, but with like deep rooted in, into the grace of God, that it will actually shape who they are. And it'll totally benefit you in the process of all the things that you're called to do, including motherhood and the work therein. So um, yeah, I'm so grateful to be here with you. It's such an honor to be on this podcast and sharing my heart with you today. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. Side note, I'm really glad that you mentioned the stuff about motherhood. I am Mm -hmm. as single as a Pringle, but uh, (laughs) all... Well then happy Valentine's Day, Kelsey. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. And (laughs) I will say that this is one of those weird days where singleness is a little bit more highlighted. Yeah. But um, I, the story that God's authoring for you in this season of singleness is one that is so essential to the kingdom of God. And it's also, you know, setting you up for the greatest fulfillment of your life, both through the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is always with us and the greatest source of love, obviously, but also earthly sources of love that we can celebrate in the right time, right? Yeah. Yes, but- <laughs> in the right time. Well, why I mentioned that is, okay. <laughs> A lot of the people in my small group, love you guys, if you're listening, uh, are mothers and they have younger tots, some of them. Yes. And Mm -hmm. especially in the age of posting everything on the internet, it's beyond just my immediate social circle. It's a lot of people that I follow, honestly, talk about motherhood, like the purest form of torture. (laughs) And I'm kind of like, it's not really a huge wonder to me Mm. this has actually been like kind of sad and heavy on my heart I don't want to take away from the topic but um sure that people uh in their earlier 20s are like all around me saying I don't really want to have kids or I'll see if I feel like it when I'm in my Mm mid-30s and yeah and I'm like, wait, I would love to hear more of a narrative of, yeah, the challenge is real, but look oh gosh, at I've, how redeemed yes. it is. Oh my gosh. I could talk about this all day long. It's interesting because um, my husband and I met when we were really young and we got married when we were very young. I was 20 and Matt was 25. We've been married for 10 years. We found out that we were pregnant with our son three months after getting married, which was not the plan. We were, we were long distance for the three years that we were dating and engaged before that and looking to redeem the time. Um, And motherhood found me in a season that I felt very unprepared for it. Like how, like my world is literally over. Like my life is over was the initial thought, which honestly, you do see a lot of that on social media and you hear about it um, so much in the circles through different mothers about how hard motherhood is. And it is hard. It's one of those things where, you know, you become a mom and you have to have the fruit of the Holy spirit, or you're going to go to jail, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, goodness, faithfulness, all those, all those good fruit. You need to be able to pour out onto your kids. But I mean, this is the very first, when, when we were created by God, And in the garden with perfect communion, the very first thing that was given to Adam and Eve was the call to take dominion and multiply. So of course the enemy would come in and start downplaying and and causing us to only focus on the, the strain and the stress of motherhood. 
um, and parenting in general, both for mothers and for fathers, but it's the greatest joy of our life. It's our very first mandate, like is multiply and have dominion. And I tell you, I mean, my motherhood is so difficult and so hard. But, you know, when you walk around Target and when you're looking through Instagram for a hot second and you're seeing, you know, true, true things of shame, like, Mm -hmm. you know, rosé all day, but first coffee and don't ask mom this until that we're actually like downplaying and turning deep, you know, hurt in our stories that need tending by the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. into jokes to put on t-shirts and mugs that we buy for 25 bucks. And you know, I sit around and, or, and I'll, I just try to be as aware as possible because believe me, I could go down the deep trenches of the darkness of motherhood and I've had my moments and I still do, but that the, the presence of children in the midst of doing what you were called to do in your occupation and your personal life and ministry and all these things, they are the most grounding and refining tools of your entire life. They change who you are because now it's no longer just about you and whether or not you feel like doing X, Y, Z or whatever you're tending to another soul and raising a generation that will follow us to hopefully be able to decipher what truly is true and what life is actually meant to be lived for. And that is a, that is the greatest calling on our lives is, you know, first and foremost, um, but we get to do lots of other cool stuff too, but it's interesting because the things we're talking about today, yeah. the course and the last 10 years of, of work in my life has stemmed from the presence of kids entering the scene too early in my story, in my mind, I was like, yeah, it's too early in my story, you know, oh so gosh. it's actually a pretty good, good segue. So, oh, well then <laughs> let's, let's take that segue. So speaking of you are the creator of for eternity and until and yes. the work from worth course or wait mm-hmm. I got that right I was like, yeah you did this before because I was so worried I was going to be like work for worth course and that is the I opposite. know <laughs> but it's a, it's a tongue twister try to say that five times work from worth work from worth work from worth <laughs> but tell us more about what inspired you to make this your mission and create all this yeah well so for eternity and until was established in 2020 And, um, I actually got the name when I was in college, um, Matt and I were dating at the time. I, I have, my background is in biblical studies and we were studying Hebrew and translating a portion of, of the Psalms into English and the word forever, when you're directly translating it from Hebrew into English is translated for eternity and until, and it's a Psalm that's going off on, you know, all like the the Lord is exalted forever. We will adore you forever. So speaking about this forever concept, and I love the poetic nature of that for eternity and until, and, um, when you really understand that, I I don't know if you've heard this quote before where it's like, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Um, (laughs) have you ever heard that one? Um, you know, sometimes that's thrown around, but what I, what I've learned is that when you are heavenly minded and when you have the perspective of eternity, then you are more, you are able to offer more good to the earth around you. And I'm a very practical person, hands-on, give me the steps, give me the one, two, threes, all the, you know, doing aspects of my faith. And I realized that the cornerstone of the message of Jesus, when he came here on earth was your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
it's yes. the cornerstone of the entire when Jesus is teaching the the disciples to pray that's mm-hmm. at the cornerstone of of the way that literature was written at that time we're not looking you know um, from top to bottom of the page mm-hmm. when you're reading Hebrew text you actually look at whatever is happening in the middle is the main focal yes. point of the message and so when you're when you're hearing the Lord's prayer this is the point heaven met earth with the presence of Jesus and he's brought this kingdom and this eternal purpose and eternal lens that mm-hmm. when Christians engage in it this is the this is also the issue for mothers who are trapped in the hardship of motherhood is that if you're only looking with your earthly eyes then you won't be able to see bridge the gap between the spiritual and the natural of what God is doing spiritually and using not just in this moment but laying a foundation for eternity in the life of this other soul that you're nurturing and in the work that you're doing. So, you know, I've been doing online sales in one form or another for the last Mm -hmm. 10 years. And it always frustrated me that when I was, you know, when you walk in circles of, you know, successful entrepreneurs, it's very easy to make everything about you. And it's also very easy to make everything about the industry. And it's very easy to make everything about making money, being beautiful. I don't know, Mm -hmm. somehow reversing the clock of like youthfulness. And you almost see these like, you know, aches of the heart where we're made for this we're made for eternity and we're made to worship and so you see these things like gosh where's my worth and you know how can I maintain this youthfulness and you know resist the the journey that we have inevitably to the grave and I've always been someone to go and I actually want to consider that my life is literally just but a breath but the life that I have to live it goes so far beyond just this life when I anchor into the worth of eternity then Mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing in my day-to-day life breathes in a new purpose so um yeah my my podcast was kind of revolving around conversations regarding that and then um just wanting to offer ambitious women of God an opportunity to practically walk through steps because the inevitable next question is okay well then how do I how do I do that and um it's been a two-year process for me over the last couple of years of reevaluating the way that I approach work um Mm -hmm. just through some some deep healing that the Lord has brought me through that I want to be able to usher in some practical steps to begin laying the foundation for other ambitious women um, who love the Lord and who are called to work to do so within the boundaries of what honors God and honors the things that matters most to him. Yeah, please talk more about giving ambition a home within the Lord. I, that is something that I have just, I is underlying in my mission too, of feeling like an ambitious person from a young age, but thinking that that had no place we need to prize lowliness Mm. sure but like to the extent that you can't go for anything or be have your gifts be made visible and Uh, creatively helpful to others Mm -hmm. and once I uh, I I don't know I think that the ambitious spirit it's going to proceed regardless of theological questions and so then you you know you go about your work and it drains you, it drains you, it drains you. And because inevitably putting identity in it. Yeah. 
And so I, I treasure this topic that you've dove into and uh, become skilled at eloquently explaining. And I got the pleasure of going through your course, which was incredible. And Thank you. when you talked about, hey, let's just start with some signs of here are might be some indicators of you working uh, for a sense of worth instead yeah. of from a sense of worth. Can you go yeah. through that list? Cause it shook me. Sure. <laughs> I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I'll remember the ones that um, stood out the most to me. The, the feeling like you are always working, but you're never doing enough. Mm -hmm. um, the feeling of resentment that you feel toward others, not meeting or recognizing your needs. I mean, mm -hmm. that's always a big one. Forsaking mm -hmm. your human limitations for the sake of you know, productivity or measuring your sense of worth or contribution to the world around you by what you're producing or the effectiveness yeah. of what you're producing or, or attaching honestly any of your identity and any of your worthiness to what you do rather than who you are. Mm -hmm. Where when you're, when you're doing something and many of us are very good at the things that we do, you know, we do them for a reason. And um, even in the midst of finding something that is very fulfilling in what you're doing, it's the reason why you're doing it underneath it. People talk about that all the time, discover mm -hmm. your why and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I've often found that sometimes the why has been misconstrued to where they're attaching it actually to outcomes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm saying like me as a, as a mom, originally when I first got started in my online businesses, it was like, I want my why is my children being able to stay home with my children. I'm like, actually staying home with my children, providing for my family from home is an outcome, mm -hmm. but that's not really yeah. the purpose. That's not the motivator. Yeah. Although that is definitely a, a, a great you know, goal to be, I just need to categorize that correctly. That's actually not the why it's actually an outcome. It's what you're producing. So I had to actually dig in a little bit deeper because what I found was when I wasn't living aligned with the gifts that God's created me for and the values that matter most to me in my story, that was where that resentment and where the lack of boundaries existed and where my mm -hmm. burnout was happening was because I wasn't aligned with what God had called me to do in this work. So really the yeah. work didn't actually need to change. It was the motive and the mindset and belief behind the actions that needed yeah. to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of even that's such a perfect example of the wait, 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 that we're talking about an outcome, not necessarily yeah. a why or a purpose. So right. even if you were like, listen, I'm going to start three schools in mm -hmm. you know, whatever a developing right. nation that is an outcome. And I've definitely been there and <laughs> I was stopped in my tracks the first time that I came across acts chapter 17, when it says, uh, it says as if God is served by human hands, as if he needs them. Yeah. He doesn't That's need good. you to complete your calling. But then I was like, but wait, why are you, what are you, mm -hmm. I'm confused. Are you like draining all the purpose out of my work? Because again, obviously in that question, you're seeing that I hadn't understood this point yet that you're explaining. Right. I was mm -hmm. like, nope, outcome is inextricable from purpose. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so he, 
when we read that verse of, as if he's served by human hands, you don't need to build him all these temples. Mm-hmm. He's not saying sit back and do nothing. So what, can you give us more examples or what it looks like to, like, what is the true statement of purpose that you've mm-hmm. found that's not outcome related, but it still keeps you in the good redemptive work? Mm. Uh I mean, purpose, so if I'm going, let's just use the same example, right? So um, wanting to be able to make X amount of money so that I could stay home with my kids mm-hmm. and raise them presently. Yeah, that's, that's the outcome. So I'm not working just for that outcome of X, Y, Z amount of dollars to be present. I'm actually working because God's called me to be a steward of my home. So one of my core values is you know, family orientedness or family would be one of those core values. So when I, when I identify that it's, this is important because I've seen too many, too many people who, um, they, because they're attaching something to the outcome, then they just find a different outcome to attach to the family. Right. So it's like, now it's not just X, Y, Z amount of money so that I could just be home with my, and present with my family. Now it's, I want this opportunity for my child or this thing. And now I need to triple this income so that we can live in a different place and all these different things. And we can get misconstrued because you want to see growth happening in the numbers of the income that you're making or the influence and you're measuring and attaching your worthiness to your family and the things that you're giving to your family. And then you see these kids grow up and maybe, you know, take on different value systems and shift and relationships are broken. Why? Because there was a misplacement of identity there. There was a misplacement yeah. of purpose. My purpose is honoring God and delighting in him and, and, and honestly allowing myself to be who God has created me to be, to serve my children, to serve my community. And these are the things, if I don't have a full understanding of who I am, then I actually can't exist within that framework of purpose. Instead, I'm attaching myself to the outcomes that I'm attaching to things that are external. But if you can lose it, then it's not who you are. I can lose my children. If you can lose it, it's not who you are. Yes. I can lose my income. I can lose my children. I can lose my home. I could lose my ability to speak to you right now. So this intrinsic purpose and identity has to reach deeper into the parts of our soul that cannot be lost, a worthiness that cannot be lost. I'm made in the image of God, as are you, as are every other human being on this planet. And it's so beautiful that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and, and Jesus all together collectively said, let us make man in our image to carry God's image. And when did they, when did they make him? They made him on day six, the very first, after everything else was created. Mm. They didn't, they didn't make Adam on day two, like, you know, have to have, have to have him in the mix in order to finish the work of creation. Instead, they made him on day six. And the very first thing that they got to do together, you know, the Trinity and Adam in perfect unity was enjoy the Sabbath day rest enjoy rest <laughs> presence so in all that we do it it and when we're doing it before god for his glory and for the good of others it's done with god it's not done for god 
there is this four aspect of we worship him, we adore him, but because of the nature of our God and the desire that he has to commune with us, he's made us in his image. He's created us for a relationship. He's created us in human form to carry his spiritual presence post Christ, you know, which is such yeah. a mystery and beauty that the things that now we do and all that we do, everything becomes spiritual mm-hmm. because we're doing it with God. Yeah. I love that. Everything is spiritual. And you know how appealing that is, even still to our post-Christian world. Yeah, absolutely. will not, as a species, ever, ever deny spirituality on the whole. There will still, that will always still have a grab on culture. We're just going to try to continue to spin it to some way that seems in the short term to make it easier on us. Absolutely. Um, And I say in the short term, because verses are coming to mind, like when I read Isaiah chapter 30 for the first time, it felt Mm. like it explained most of all of the hardship in my life. It said, like you go off to, speaking of the Israelites, you still run after your slavers in Egypt because Mm -hmm. you count their strengths, their strength in terms of not their number of chariots and their armies. And that's what you put your confidence in. Come on, girl. Yes. But God said, come to me, put your confidence in me. But because you did not, your sin became for you like a wall that was cracked and bulging. That was that crumbled in a moment. It said that it crumbled in a moment. And I thought Mm -hmm. of someone that I was just like building, 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 and it crumbled in a moment. If it was yes. a relationship, a, uh, a project, a passion project or something, yes. uh, a selfish ambition, and it just crumbled in a moment. Uh, but yeah. God is, then I'm thinking of Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, that talks about if you put your confidence in the flesh, you will be like a bush that shrivels in the desert and cannot even receive the blessing of rain when it comes. (laughs) You can't even receive it when it comes. But (laughs) those who put their confidence in the Lord and their Mm. worth in the Lord and who you are is like a tree that was planted beside the river who never fails to bear fruit, never, never fails to bear fruit and is always green. What? Yes. On earth. Man, that is such a good example of that's a great summary, a great way to summarize the entire course material, honestly, <laughs> right? Because to be able to receive from God, we can't come when we come with broken belief systems about who he is and what he intends to do, or when we come in with broken motive, the broken motive of like, you know, Israelites mm-hmm. released from slavery and then they get to the desert and they're like, it was easier in captivity. Mm-hmm. I had you know, like we had three meals. I know we were slaves, but we had three meals. Like we should have been grateful um, that when God, when God brings them into freedom, the road to free, to freedom and the door that's open before every believer is still a narrow road full <laughs> Whoa, of <laughs> still a narrow road. It's still a narrow road. There's this, you know, it's not like he's just going to swing the doors open straight to the wide road. Christ was very, very clear that salvation and freedom requires you to pick up your cross and follow me receiving actually is we have to die in order to receive full life in the full sorry you're seeing my face right now that is like 100% shocked because for how many times in my life I have heard that verse like my burden is easy and my 
yoke is light, like put, take on the yoke of Christ. I actually have never had the visual in my mind of, I have them separate, like the visual of a yoke, like it's on an oxen on their shoulders, like a piece of wood. I have never actually equated that to the passage that says, take up your cross and follow me and picturing actually dragging a cross on your back, ironically Mm -hmm. looks pretty similar to a yoke. Yeah. I have never thought of that. Yeah. (laughs) It's very true. Pick up your cross. And the beauty of this though, is that we're picking up our cross already on the other side of the finished work Mm -hmm. of Christ. So in that passage, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is coming in and his passage in Matthew 11 is come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and I am lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So humility was what won our salvation on the cross. It's what wins our worth and establishes us in a worth that is absolutely impossible to lose. And then when we pick up the burdens of life, motherhood and work and ministry and relationships and doing life with, you know, normal human beings that are broken and still, you know, walking out sanctification in their own lives as well. We pick this up, but we do so understanding that the burden has already been carried. Pick up your cross, follow me. You know, my burden is light. These two things coincide together to point us toward Christ as the finished work and the finished author and perfecter of our faith. It's so different because somewhere along the way, I kind of picked up this message of overachiever for Jesus, mm-hmm. need to perform my way in yeah. order to make sure that I still have a place of effectiveness in the kingdom of God, because I'm going to get to heaven and he's going to be like, how many people did you save and what did you do <laughs> yeah. and all this different stuff. When the well done, good and faithful servant message is not going to be given directly to me, it's going to be given to Christ who is covering me. Tori, and- I did not ever realize that. <laughs> Girl, we're, getting, we're having lots of revelation today. Wait, we- what? Okay, you have no idea how much I have thought of that moment. And that's even like if you look on the about page of my website that I wrote like four years ago, you'll see that how much I fixate on the well done, good and faithful servant moment. And I very much am picturing that moment in terms of what did I do? And that's Mm -hmm. just been how I think about it. Yeah. But the fact that Jesus clothes me in his righteousness and I have felt so freed and so overjoyed by the thought that funny enough, also only recently, you know, I've known, I've had the joy of getting to know about God my whole life, but I'm Mm -hmm. 28. And I think it was last year. No. Oh my gosh. It was like five months ago that somebody told me, Hey, when Jesus or when God looks at you, he doesn't still see your sin. He sees Jesus like as a filter in front of you. And I did not carry over that revelation to also the time where I meet my creator yes. where like judgment day (laughs) because this is a mind-blowing theological concept because if it did reside on us 
and our ability to perform. Like it says, my righteousness is like filthy rags to you. The best that I could offer is like filthy rags. But Christ in his mercy and in his grace has clothed us with worth and acceptance and belonging and love and forgiveness out of his grace. Why? Not so that we could just sit back and be like, none of it, none of it hinges on me. So I don't have to work. If anything, this causes the greatest, you know, inspiration to get out there and to work even harder because I'm not working with my worth on the line. I'm actually working out of an abundance of the worth that was given to me. that could be freely given to somebody else. This is, this is way better of a motive, by the way, this is way better of a motive because when we're showing up on social media and when we're showing up in our workplaces and we're, you know, showing up in our churches and if there's any, it says in James, um, if there's any, um, selfish ambition, then, uh, all evil and discord follows that 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 moment where I'm laying on my bed thinking gosh I'm really not as beautiful as she is or successful or I don't make as much money as she does it seems like she has way better of a gift of knowledge or ability to communicate you fill in all these things of like she's being more effectively used by God than me when you have the theological framework that the goodness of God and anything good in us comes because of Christ And the well done, good and faithful servant moment is established in Christ and his finished work. Mm -hmm. Then I actually have the freedom to look at you, look at any other person and go, wow, she's running her race so well. I I like, I can champion her. I can celebrate her because we're both going to be given the same reward at the other end. It's not according to our faithfulness or how we can measure it. It's, uh, (laughs) it's all the same gifts. Lo and behold, God just told me to start this podcast for my own dang salvation. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so good. This is, the, this is the blessing that we have along our own roads and journeys as we get to learn from each other. And it's so good. Holy Spirit is so, so faithful and he's so good. Oh my gosh. I am like overcome trying to collect myself so I could ask you another question. <laughs> I would love to hear more about your perspective on two big things that you brought up in, um, work. Oh my gosh. I almost said work for worth, work yeah, from work. Work thank from you, worth. Jesus. So just, to, you could just say in the course or something. In the course. Thank you. <laughs> work from worth. Two big, uh, topics that you brought up are the significance of core values and yeah. understanding your giftings too. Yes. All yeah. along the umbrella of this topic mm-hmm. of worth. Um, yeah. why are those so important and how do they help? Absolutely. Well, Ephesians 2.10 says that you're a workmanship created in Christ yeah. Jesus to do good works that God preordained before the beginning of time for you to walk in. Now, yeah. I love that that verse happens at the very end of chapter one and chapter two of Ephesians, mm-hmm. because it's establishing before that faith is a gift from God it's not by work, by your work so that nobody can boast, right? Like this work is established in Christ. Mm-hmm. And the very, very last point that he, he, you know, puts at the very, you know, first part of the second chapter of Ephesians is this, you're a workmanship. That means that this worship is being worked out in you in a process. God is forming you, um, you're throughout your entire lives into this masterpiece for his glory and for your good. Mm-hmm. And this is unique specifically to you. 
he preordained good works for you to walk in. And he also preordained good works for me to walk in. This is unique to me. And um, so understanding our role in the body of Christ is super important because otherwise you're going to end up spending a lot of time and energy trying to be good at something that you weren't designed for. And <laughs> that will yep. cost you a lot of emotional energy and take it from me um, and probably every other human being <laughs> in the entire world. Yes. Is when you try to be something that you're not, even if it's a good thing, mm-hmm. then um, then you might miss the place that you are meant to be. Like when when my husband first started full time touring, um, I was home with children and working from home, and I I really did feel like I missed the boat that I got benched by God. Mm-hmm my husband gets to go and do something really awesome. And my best friends get to go with him and travel the country and sing and do ministry. And I'm here folding laundry and I'm here working this online business from home. And I just feel benched and bitter. And, um, it wasn't until honestly, uh, let's see, like a couple of years ago, it took me years where this message that I did not have a place was was shifted I woke up one morning and I was like oh my gosh my place isn't there but that means that I have a place it's somewhere like I actually have to go find it that means I have a place I'm just so I'm just so wrecked by rejection in my life that I'm looking at this closed door all I had to do is pivot and allow the rejection in my life to redirect me toward the purposes of God and it was this choice in in obedience to follow God and go who have you created me to be? What is the place that I'm meant to embrace? What do I, what are my natural giftings and inclinations? And instead of focusing all of my energy and my time on trying to, you know, get better at being something that I'm not, or Mm -hmm. that I'm, or, you know, grow talents or expertise in areas that I'm not naturally gifted in. What if I actually just established the strengths that God's designed me with, Mm -hmm. um, so that I can effectively embrace my place rather than trying to be more than one body part, but I wasn't supposed to be, um, which is, Amen. you know, spoke, speaking obviously to the passage in first Corinthians when it's speaking about spiritual gifts and each of these spiritual mm-hmm. gifts being a part of the body. And, you know, can I say to the hand, I have no need of you. And could this part say, to no, you can't, it's all one body part. So which body part are you? <laughs> Like yeah. everybody gets all stoked about the Enneagram and all these other, you know, strength finder yeah. tests or whatever. I'm like, this is the original Enneagram guys. Like this is, this is it. He lays out spiritual giftings. You're the body of Christ. Which body part are you? Obviously he's mm-hmm. the head, but each yeah. of us have roles that when we have embraced the place that God has designed us for, it feels effortless. It flows out mm-hmm. like it not effortless in that you're not facing obstacles, but effortless in that you're being who God created you to be. It's so essential for you to know these things. Yes. Amen. When this past summer, for the first time, I learned about the Matthew effect. Uh, or that's like a common term that's used for if you read the four gospel accounts. I guess I hadn't read through them in a succinct enough time period to where I was noticing enough patterns instead of microscopic little touch points and stories, which patterns, whoa, (laughs) try studying those. It's amazing. So good. Uh, Instead of just like one page a day. Yes. 
truly. Uh, and the thing about the Matthew effect is seeing how it's an effect where you put in the minimum amount for the maximum amount of efforts. It's like an investment ideology. So uh, like an example passage is uh, the parable of the talents. So, and it's called the Matthew effect because that's the gospel account that you see this pattern the most. And the parable of the talents, you know, one had um, the two servants that doubled what they got. And also the parable of the good seed, if I'm saying that Uh right, or the sower that says there are some seeds that fall on good soil and they produce 30, 60, even a hundred times what Mm. is given. And when we're in our giftings, I think that is the biggest chance we have for this huge multiplication effect where you're doing the same, whatever amount of units, but it blesses the kingdom in a way that cannot be explained except for God. Right. And how, okay. Well, and even just like, think about Matthew for a second too. What were his giftings? He's a tax collector. So he had to be, he was a numbers guy. He was attention to detail. He, so the, and the perspective also for, of Matthew as the gospels, um, you know, written by a Jew who turned from his people and uh, used and abused his people only to be redeemed by Christ. You read it through the lens of his perspective of what he saw Jesus do. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, it's truly mind blowing. But then you hear of all these, these 12 disciples, these, you know, the 12 tribes of Judah and the 12 disciples mm-hmm. and the 24 elders around the throne and these like pieces and elements of like, we're all fitting into their right place. Matthew yeah. brings a unique and beautiful perspective that's different from John's or Luke's and Mark's. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different from Paul's and the Pauline letters mm-hmm. later on. Imagine if Matthew didn't embrace his place and didn't know. So, but Whoa. the interesting aspect is that you have Matthew, who is called by Jesus to be a disciple, but then you also have Simon, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, he has a very intense political perspective other than Matthew's in that, um, you know, he was like training to be a special warrior against the Roman empire. And then you have Matthew who was serving under the Roman empire. Jesus brings both of those two people together and goes, I know that you guys have different sets of values, but you're going to work for my same kingdom purpose in love for one another. So that means that the way that Matthew approached, you know, even strategy probably of spreading the gospel and how Simon Peter would, you know, approach the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are totally different sets of values, but they were still used. They, both of these men were still mightily used by God for kingdom purposes. So Amen. knowing your spiritual gifts, but then also knowing the core values of your own, per, you know, your this is kind of made together of your Uh, life experiences your personality your framework you know the reality of your relational status these these different things where you live that when you're using submitted under the the calling of the mandate that's been given to all of us which is you know take dominion and multiply and go into all the world baptizing the name of the father son and holy spirit like spread my name and take dominion um those two things coinciding together hold on i have to like I have to plug in my, I'm um, turning oh, on okay. my car. Um, 
those two things together, that's essential element because it's actually not just enough for you to only know your spiritual gifts. It's how those spiritual gifts are going to be used within the boundary of your core values. It changes the way that you use them. Oh my gosh. How are you saying, well, it's by the spirit, but I was going to say, how are you saying so many things that click some big former mysteries together for me in like a second? So (laughs) That's so important because what I was just thinking was, okay, we've usually someone, if you're a Christian for any amount of time, you're going to encounter this conversation about what are your giftings? You might get the 120 point question test and get assigned to something or whatnot. But when you're talking about marrying that with a conversation around your values and how I take that to, from what you said is like the context in which you're made to pay attention and care of where you apply them or yeah. apply those giftings. A big shortcoming that has made the spiritual gifts conversation less meaningful in my church experience has been that we're all assuming that we need to apply it in the same place, which is totally. the, within the, which thick, is the four church, walls, the of, walls the of the church. Yeah. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Yep, exactly yeah. right. Oh, wow. That's, and when, that's the reason why we have a, it feels like a decapitated church or just yeah. like, you know, we are not effectively ministering the gospel because mm-hmm. we think it has to happen within the framework of, oh, yeah. my spiritual life over here within the walls of this church. When your spiritual giftings and your values and this call that you've given by God, like through Christ and all that you do, your workplace, all these other areas, like once all those things align, you're actually able to be ministers of the gospel in a more effective way. Yeah. I mean, how many of us could actually get like be in vocational ministry? Maybe like 5% of the church would be paid to do vocational ministry. Um, instead it's, you know, now we have 95 or probably even more of a great number. I'm just throwing that out there for the sake of this conversation, probably an even greater number where we're out in the workplace, we're in different industries, we're in the medical field, we're home raising children, we're, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're communicators, we're all these other things. When all, when your spiritual gifts and your values and your purpose on earth as it is in heaven is aligned well then gosh, everything turns into like 3D multicolor. Like you're able to see the purposes of God everywhere. It's true. Everybody wants the dream life. We want it to feel magical. Like you were saying, like we want that 3D technicolor magic feeling. Right. We're going to the things that will fail you. We're going to the stuff that will only get buried in the ground that we don't take with us. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the, the question of Solomon all, all through the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. So I die. Is that it? <laughs> like that's how I die. Like I still just die at the end of any of these story plots. Like I've got all the money, all the women, all the prestige, all the power, all of this, all of that. I'm still going to die. So like this hunger for a life after death, this on earth as it is in heaven, it's eternity now on for eternity and until that is what unlocks the technicolor framework of our existence and purpose. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing more 
I think heroic and heart moving and tantalizing to the world than someone with every ounce of sincerity who is able to say death where's your sting social suicide where's your sting people's opinion of me where is your sting good it's true it's it only comes from what you're talking about which is Mm -hmm. where is a security of self and identity and worth where did it come from that place that is immovable (laughs) and then dwell in that and you can do all those other things like the famous c.s lewis quote of i when i maybe you know it better than i but it's something along the lines of when i shoot for earth i miss heaven when i shoot for heaven i get that and earth is thrown in (laughs) so good that's such a great quote so amazing Mm -hmm. to I think that a great way to close this conversation is on the topic of addressing the dream life. Like yeah, mm-hmm. in a world of you create your dream life and you're the captain of your own ship empowerment. Yeah. I'm curious more about your, more about your story of like how, and also how you advise others. Mm-hmm. Yes. In co-creating your life mm-hmm. with Christ, but not being fully the captain of your own ship, like right. leading with a biblical lens. It all comes down to who you are beholding. Mm-hmm. That's it. So like in the second half of our, of a course, I give a like mindset framework and it's four B's yep. behold, believe, behave, and become. Most of us want to fixate on the behavior behavior change your behavior issues you know and then god will love you like behavior modification gospel but the invitation for us in hebrews is fix your eyes on jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning shame and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the father like when you approach your life and all of your dreams and all of your plans therein and it stays about you, then you will end up moving forward with broken beliefs, broken behaviors, and it'll change who you become. Mm -hmm. But when you behold Christ and not Christ dead on a cross, but Christ seated at the right hand of the throne of the father, the Christ that is in the center of the elders and the angels in the heavenly places proclaiming, holy, 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 glory, glory, for, for eternity and until truly that's kind of like what they're saying forever and ever um when we envision our life within the framework of of worship and honor to the god who sits on his throne in all power and authority it has to become about him because you're never going to be that you're not going to be at the center of all of heaven and earth being worshiped like i know we sometimes treat it that way sometimes we feel like that's This is the only perception that I can offer you, God, is my human broken perception that comes through my own eyeballs. Like I have no other option, you know, of course, perspective shifting and stuff is all so important, but when it's just beholding what you want, 
or beholding who you're trying to become or beholding industry standard or beholding some goal you're working toward or beholding the quote best ideal version of yourself, which is such an unbiblical concept. Instead, it's like I, the, my best self is still myself. I need transformation. I need, re, I need to be a new creation that comes by beholding God in his glory. And when he has his rightful place in your life, when he is seated, he is seated on high and he's, you know, authoring and perfecting the journey of your life, then from that, your correct belief system stem, your behavior then follows and who you become transforms and changes. So, you know, that's kind of the, the long frame you know, answer to life is not for a life lived for eternity and until includes you and you are an essential element to it. And you were created by God with an eternal purpose, but it is not about you. It's about him. Amen. Another picture came to me when you were sharing that of Mm. this makes so much sense. Why actually oftentimes the western church misses the fact that heaven is not in the sky heaven is meant like read revelation he is not meaning to scrap the earth just like Mm -hmm. he's not wanting you to become a new uh, like he needs you to be a a different tory right yeah exactly he's wanting to restore you and make you a new creation but not to say you stop being you you stop being you he's just clearing out all the junk yeah and polishing you (laughs) to be who you were really made to be and that's how he even intends to treat the earth where this isn't all just burning up and going nowhere he plans on making the new jerusalem here that's (laughs) establishing his kingdom here and i think that can tell us so much of how we can also think of ourselves and the restoration work that God wants to do within us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Wow, Tori. It's really um, good friend. Thanks for going deep with me. My pleasure and honor. Um, two last questions for you is one, um, just the practicals. How can the listeners continue to keep up with you and dive absolutely. into your resources? Yes. I mean, find me on Instagram. That's usually the best place. Tori Mayhine, T-O-R-I-M-A-E-H-E-I-N. And you can find all the links to all the things that I'm involved with there and pop into my DMs and say hi. Um, yes. And in the show yeah, notes, then, I will have all of that in the laid show out there. Yep. And there's a, probably a link in the show notes too, for the work from work course as well, in which I also gave a $20 discount, I believe. Right. I sent wow. you a code for yes. um, $20 off on the on the course we'd love to have you yeah so worth your time and attention listeners um also side note again pro tip to the listeners tori has the best reels on instagram (laughs) i I like to have fun i want to make you laugh but i also like it's funny because i'm like I can be really lighthearted and really fun and whatever, but I'm also like, you just saw me go deep here for this last hour where I'm like, I'm a deep well, but we can also party at the top. Like it's full to the top, you know? <laughs> to me, that's the best way to be. I, I love that. The last question is, is there anything that you want to underscore or highlight for the listener from our conversation for them to leave with? Hmm.
I guess, I guess the, just the message that you're worthy of love, not because of what you do, but because of who God is. Yes. Yeah. And amen. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your ministry, for your example, you. for the way that you have made uh, Christ <laughs> through the grace of Christ. His spirit has been made apparent through you and your fruit. Thank you. Wow. Uh, so so thank you, Tori. It's my honor, my friend. Thank you. Obviously, that was just one taste of the wisdom and encouragement Tori has to share. If you follow her on Instagram, you know what I mean. It's so fun to follow a podcast. Remarkable. You have to go check it out. So speaking of that, I really do recommend that you go check out her podcast for eternity and until. And don't forget to grab the Work From Worth course for $20 off using the code CALLED via the link in the show notes below. And while you're checking that out, I would be so grateful and excited if you just tapped the stars, it's literally one click, to leave a rating. Couldn't be easier on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps so much. And bonus points if you take an extra 30 seconds to leave a review. And as usual, if you would like to work with me to get your career strategy and vision in place, you could apply for one of my one-on-one coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in as little as 90 days. Whether that's landing a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether, you could head to my website, kelseykemp.com services and apply for a free 60-minute career strategy session with me. The program is selective and the spots are limited. That is kelseykemp.com services. All those links are in the show notes below. You could also follow along with me for free career tips and behind the scenes stuff when you are on Instagram with me at kelsey underscore the called career or on LinkedIn at Kelsey Kemp. If this episode impacted you, don't forget to tag me. Little pro tip, I cannot see your posts unless I am tagged. Uh, Every once in a while, I come across uh, a friend who I follow on uh, Instagram uh, who has reposted the podcast, and I'm like, whoa, I feel lucky that I happened upon this. Otherwise, I would have missed the opportunity to thank you. So just don't forget to tag me there. I will see you next week on Answer the Call.